You know, I was looking recently as you're getting to John 15 uh, at some of our attendants. And, um, you know, a lot of churches, first of all, don't even have church on Sunday nights, which is crazy because this is the Lord's day. And so we're so blessed to have Sunday night service. And a lot of don't have Wednesday nights, but Sunday night is the big one that seems to go away. And, and, and one of the reasons is because they don't work it and they don't make it happen or it begins to dwindle down or whatever reason. I don't know what it is, but statistically, I think about 20 to 30 percent of the attendance of a church, if they have a Sunday night service, comes back at Sunday night service. 20 to 30 percent. And so that's one of the reasons that a lot of churches begin to shut it down. They'll begin to say, well, you know, they're just not showing up. And I was looking at our attendance numbers, and uh, we have, and this is just recent, but it's, it's pretty steady across the board. We have about 83% of our people come back on Sunday nights. Isn't that awesome? 83%. And that's also the same on Wednesday nights. And so that is bragging on you. That's congratulations to you for, for understanding that it's important to be in church every time we get a chance. John chapter 15, verse 9 I'll try to get through this quick, but I believe this is a message that will help you tonight. I want to talk about understanding the love of Jesus. This morning I talked about what true love was. And true love is Jesus. And we can't really understand love until we understand the love of Jesus. We can't really love until we understand the love of Jesus. We can't give until we've been loved by Jesus. So tonight I want us to, now that we understand what true love is, I want us to try to com comprehend that love. Because how many know when you begin to think about the love of Jesus, it's, it's kind of hard to even comprehend that he would love us. Because I, know about, I don't know about you, but I've been unlovable a lot of times in my life. And, but he still loved me. John 15, 9 says, As the Father loved me, I, I have loved you also. Abide in my love. That's enough to go home on right now. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken to you that my joy may remain full in you and that your joy may be full. This, and I talked about this at the altar call this morning. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. That's, that's, that's the Ten Commandments summed up. We can't fulfill the commandments of Jesus Christ if we don't do that one right there. And that's, what, that's really what we, we, how, where we begin to comprehend the love of Jesus. He says, if you want to show me you love me, and I said this morning that a lot of times we say the word love, but we don't follow it up with actions. If we want to show Jesus we love him, then what do we do? We obey his commandments. And the way we obey his commandments is by loving one another. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but some people, especially when you've just gotten saved and God hasn't had a chance to work on you yet, have a hard time loving people. Or they're not lovable, either way, or both ways. And God is the only one who can really step in and change somebody. Can you say amen? amen. God's the only one who can take an unlovable person and make them lovable, or take somebody who doesn't love and make them love. Because we begin to realize God has loved me so much that I should love others. Amen. So it says, verse 12, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. So there is an if. Amen. You are my friends 
if you do whatever I command you. Now, I want to say something real quick before I move on, because this is, some, I think, a thing we misunderstand sometimes. Jesus did not say, I love you if you do whatever I command you. Because his love has no, no ifs. Do you understand that tonight? His love has no ifs. That's kind of what the message was this morning, is that his love has no boundaries. His love is, and I'm going to get into this in a second, is, is unmerited and deserved. It's actually my first point. I'm getting ahead of myself. But his love is something that will never stop. And I even said this morning, he will love us all the way to hell. If we reject Jesus Christ and we don't have a relationship with him, listen, there's people right now, today, billions, trillions, I don't know how many, there are people in hell right now, eternally separated from God, and God still loves them. That's where we get quiet, because we can't even comprehend that. How could God love them there? They rejected him, and he still loves them. Because his love is amazing. His love is un, un, beyond our understanding. And that's really what I want you to, to get tonight. So he says, you're my friends if you do what I command you. So he didn't say, I love you if you do what I command you. But he says, if you want to have co- relationship with me and covet, covenant with me, then I need you to do what I ask you to do. And that's to love others as I've loved you. Verse 15, no longer do I call you servants. For a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I've called you friends. Isn't that amazing that God would call us friends? We sing that song, I am a friend of God. He calls us friends. For all things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. And watch this. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And appointed that you should go and bear fruit and that you should, uh, your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give you these things I command you. That you what? Love one another. So number one tonight is, I want to give you a few things to help us understand. His love is unmerited. Okay, his love is, in other words, undeserved. We don't, there's not one person in here tonight that deserves the love of Jesus. Not one. We, we, we really, and we talked about this morning, we're wicked people. We're, we're sinners. And we're only saved by grace And if it wasn't for grace, none of us would be saved. I don't care how good you are. I don't care how much of a saint you are. I don't care how perfect you are. I don't care. And there's some good people in this world. Amen. There are some good people with good morals. And they will not be saved because of that. They are saved because of their faith in what Jesus did on the cross. So his love is not conditional to us. It's very hard. I'm talking about comprehending the love of Jesus tonight. It's very hard for us to comprehend that because our love is conditional. Whether we want it to be or not, we, can, we can't really get away with that. We try real hard to kind of get away from that and, and say we don't. But really, when we say we love somebody, there is something inside of us that even if it's pure, something's holding back and saying, but if, and there's a condition there. And if, if, if the reaction is not what we, what we want, then, then the, we might still love them, but the love retracts a little bit. And it's not quite as strong, maybe. God's love is not that way. And that's hard to comprehend. It's hard to comprehend that somebody could love me even when I'm not lovable. And I said this verse this morning, 1 John 4.10. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins, to be the sacrifice 
for our sins. He loved us in that he sent his son to be the sacrifice we needed to be saved. Ephesians 2, 4 to 7 says, But God, rich in mercy because of his great love, he loved us even when we were dead in trespasses. He made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved and raised up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Watch this. This is what we can't understand or comprehend. It means that even when we reject him, even when we disobey him, y'all hear? Even when we sin against him, he still loves us. Amen. That's crazy. I could title this crazy love. That, 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 that just doesn't happen in our, in our lives. We don't do that. That's not how we act. We have good relationships with our spouse and family and friends because they're good to us. And if, it, if they're not good to us, then we kind of don't hang around them quite as much. And you might... People might be in a marriage and they just have to kind of maybe sleep in different rooms or something. It's not that way in, in our lives. If we sin against him, if we, if we uh, reject him, if we disobey him, he still loves us. How many are not comprehending that? I'm not. It's not comprehensible. That particular part is, is not here. It doesn't make sense because we can't do that. You try being rejected, you try being disobeyed, you try being uh, uh, hated on and all these things and still love that person. And you might say, well, I still love them, but you wouldn't inside the way you think you do. You would still have some, something holding back. God doesn't. Amen. Amen? Amen? God's unmerited love is given to us. People who don't deserve his love are transformed and changed into new creations. Every single, every single week, every single month, every single year, we're at different times, we're seeing people get saved and given their lives to Jesus and become transformed and renewed in Jesus. And we know that they come from a rough background. They come from a wild background. They come from a sinful background. And we see over and over the miracle of God's love. Changing people. We are so undeserving. Now, this is going back to this morning. I can't really understand God's love till I realize how much I don't deserve it. When I really begin to realize how much I don't deserve it is when I really begin to feel the appreciation of his love and really understand his love. Psalms 40, verse 2, last one on point one says, He also brought me up out of a, of a horrible pit. See, we don't look at our lives that way sometimes. He brought us up out of a horrible pit. Psalms 40, verse 2. He brought us up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my ways. No, most of us don't look at our life and say, man, I was in a pit. You, you might have been, literally, spiritually, but not probably physically. But you don't look at like, man, I came up out of a pit. But if you were to look back at your life and back at the way you used to be before you met Jesus, and you could see yourself the way God saw you, you'd realize you came up out of a pit. And he rescued you out of it and set you on a rock. Can you realize tonight that because of the love of Jesus... You are now a friend of God. I don't really know if we can comprehend that. I'm talking about trying to comprehend the love of Jesus, that he would call me friend. You ever been to a concert? How many have ever been to a concert? Ever been to a sporting event? Ever been to anything that you go to that you admire somebody or something and there's thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people there, whether it's a concert, whether it's a singer, 
whether it's a comedian, whether it's a f- professional sport, and, you're, and you're, you like a certain athlete, whatever it is, you go to this humongous thing, you pay money, and you get there. And if you go to that, if you pay money, you go because either you like the team, or you like a player, or you like a singer, or you like a group, or whatever, and you're there in admiration of that group. And there's thousands and thousands of people there, and inside of every single person there, they want to meet that person Don't tell me you, you can go to some sports game or some concert and you just like, if someone came up to you and said, hey, the singer wants to meet you. And you'd be like, nah. I'm just going to go home, get, get on the bus. I came on and go back home. I'm just going to go get in the shuttle and head back home. I mean, can you imagine if the person who was putting on the show sent someone out with your name and said, hey, backstage, wants to talk to you. Can you imagine that? That'd be pretty cool, huh? Maybe you've been backstage. Maybe you've, maybe you've had that opportunity. That's pretty cool. But Jesus does something cooler than any sporting event. He calls us friend. And Jesus is way bigger than any singer and any sports team and any actor and anything else you could go to see. And his love says, you're my friend. I am a friend of God. So we could say to that person, nah, I don't need that backstage pass. I got a better one. Can you imagine? Come on, just throw out a name. Just throw something out. I need some help. LeBron, LeBron okay. LeBron James, got a basketball player. I, I know that if Dwayne was at the game a couple weeks ago went with his wife, that was a gift. They went and they watched it. If, can you imagine if someone came and said, hey, Dwayne, LeBron wants to meet you back in the back. Now, we know he would go, but let's just say, okay, let's just say. That you were so in love with Jesus that you told that person, nah, I don't need to go. I got backstage with Jesus after this. Amen. And that person would be like, you don't want to come meet LeBron? No, I got Jesus. I'm a friend of Jesus. Amen. So that sounds kind of crazy, but it's true. Amen. Jesus is way bigger than any athlete. And he says that if I love him and I obey his commandments, I'm his friend. Come on. That's enough to be excited about. Number two, his love is unlimited. That's another word. See, this is a word we don't comprehend either. Unlimited. Unlimited. That means there's no limit. It's hard to tap into that understanding. Revelation 1.5 says, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead, the prince of the kings of the earth. So he's bigger than all the people you could go check out. He's way bigger. Luke 23, 34 says, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. As they were dividing his garments. That's unlimited love. Now listen to this. This is a picture of us. Every week we come together and we begin to worship. And we have a worship service. And we have prayer time like we did tonight. And we have a service. And at every service there's different needs in every person. In this place, there are some people, every service, doesn't matter which one it is, there are, that's why when we say, how many have a need? Listen, I've never been in a service ever in my life there wasn't a need. Ever. I can't ever remember a service when we say, how many have a need? And not a hand went up. 
Now, it would be awesome if absolutely nobody had a need, but it doesn't happen because we're needy people and we're hurting people. So there's going to be some that are hurting. There's going to be someone in that week possibly who's, who has fallen into sin or made a mistake that week. There's going to be some in a service who are doubting God's love. They're doubting if God exists. They're doubting if God's real. There's going to be some who are craving and they're coming in saying, God, I want a touch from you. In all these different places, all these different needs and all these different hurts are being met at the same time by an unlimited love of Jesus. He's not too busy over here to take care of those over here. He's not too busy in Africa to take care of those that are here in Denton. He's not too busy here in Denton dealing with the needs to take care of Costa Rica. He's not too busy in Costa Rica to take care of the needs in Czechoslovakia. He's a God with unlimited love. Love that can go around and never run out. So we just need, so we, all we need is a little more love, we say. All, we, don't, we don't need it, we got it. Amen. We just have to tap into it. His love is unlimited. His love is right there for us. He doesn't pull it away from us. God never says he's going to pull his love away from us. He's, he, matter of fact, he wants to give it more. He wants to pour his love out on us. Jonah 4.2, how many remember the story of Jonah? I said this morning a crazy statement. I'm crazy enough to believe that Jonah was swallowed by a whale. Amen. I believe the Bible. I believe every story. I believe it's all true. And Jonah prayed to the Lord in Jonah 4 verse 2 and said, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? He says, therefore, I fled previously to Tarshish. And he said this word, for I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness. You know, that's why he didn't want to go to Tarshish. He didn't want to go where God told him to go because he knew that God would have mercy on them. Come on, somebody needs to listen to this. We, we got, God sometimes wants us to be the, 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 the conduit of mercy. And we say, I don't want that person to get no mercy. They don't deserve no mercy. Well, I'm talking to the man in the mirror. I'm asking him to change his ways. Yes, I'm quoting Michael Jackson. I said this morning, if you weren't here, I'm not saying, I'm not, I'm not quoting him because I'm a fan. I'm quoting because that was a powerful song and powerful words that were supposed to be meant for God, but he went off track. Right. We need to look in the mirror. We need to look in the mirror. No one else has a problem in here. I do. That's the life. If you live your life like that, things will get fixed faster. Jonah said, Jonah says, see, God says, I got, a, I got a whale over there for you. You don't have to go in it, but you're going to do what I said do. So you can either go through the whale or you can go around the whale, but are you going to show mercy? Y'all here? Okay. You got to show mercy. It's not an option. Show mercy. Show love. Show love. Unending, unlimited. He says, I know that you're a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness. So I don't want to go to Tarshish because I don't want them to be saved. And God says, okay. Well, they're going to get saved anyways, but because you had that attitude, go swim in stomach acid. Amen? Go hang out in the Jonah's well for a while. And then, then you do what I told you to do in the first place. How many have learned that it's better just to go the first time the way God wants you to and try to go around the desert and out in the wilderness and all those different places. Amen. Just start loving right now. Tap into that unlimited love right now and don't have to go into the whale. 
His love is unlimited. Now, let me give you an understanding, a little bit, comprehension of his love. There was a Norwegian explorer named Nansen. He was trying to measure the depths of the ocean. How many have ever been on the ocean? Anybody really a big fan of the ocean? People like to be on the beach and all that stuff? I love the ocean from a hotel room, sitting on the bed in AC. That's me. I don't want to be out there in the sand, get all up everywhere. I don't want to be out there sweating and, and sunburning. I want to be in the bed, laying back, looking at the ocean with the AC on and the TV with the game. Okay? But that, that, was, just, that was just the thought. But when you think about the ocean, I mean, the ocean is unbelievable. When you think about the depths of the ocean. I mean, it's a whole other world down there. And when you begin to think about how deep the ocean is, it's kind of hard to imagine the depths of the ocean. There are places, scientifically, that they've never found the, in the depths of the ocean. They can't measure it. They don't have the stuff to go down that deep. So even before they got technical and got all the stuff they have today, way back when, there was a Norwegian explorer who tried to measure an extremely, extremely deep part of the Arctic Ocean. And the first day, he used his longest measuring line, but couldn't reach bottom. He had everything he had to measure. He put out there, and it didn't touch the bottom. So he went back to his logbook, and he wrote in there, the ocean is deeper than that. So a few days went by. He got some more line. He added his line to the one he had put before, and he put it in there, and he put as long as he had, and it went down, and he could not get to the bottom still. So he came back, wrote in his book. He said, the ocean is deeper than that. After several days of adding more and more and more pieces of rope and cord to his line, he had to finally leave that part of the ocean without learning its actual depth. All he knew was it was beyond his ability to measure. We cannot ourselves measure, really, the unlimited depths of God's love. We can't understand it. We can, we can say, man, God did this and man, God did that and, and talk about testimonies and all these things. That's why the song that was written said, I could sing of your love forever. I could sing of your love forever. Why? Because I could sing of it forever and still never understand how amazing and how wide and how deep and how unlimited his love is. Number three. His love is unselfish. Unselfish. You know, Christ was the most selfless person who ever walked the earth. Listen, this message is not about anybody but Jesus. Amen? Amen? How many know the best messages are about Jesus? Christ was selfless. He is our example. Don't ever forget that. Every message that we try to preach, we're going to get Jesus in there, amen? Because Jesus, that's why we got the big old sign out there that says Jesus, just in case anybody's not sure what our church is about. If somebody comes and says, hey, what's your church about? Just say, look at the sign outside. It's just those five letters. Yeah, but, no, just look at the sign outside. Yeah, but, no, just look at the sign outside. Yeah, but what do you, Jesus. But Jesus. Somebody say Jesus. What's the answer to every question? Jesus. Jesus. You don't know the answer to something? Just shout Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, what's the answer? Jesus. Right? Can't go wrong. He's the answer. He's the answer to every question. He's selfless. He's everything to us. And when we bring everything back to Jesus, 
we, we come out right. 1 Corinthians, I read this this morning, 13, verse 5 and 6 says, Love does not behave itself unseemly or seek its own. It's not easily provoked. It thinks no evil. It does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Jesus is the perfect example of selflessness. What should we be doing? What should we be measuring our lives to every day? Jesus. What should we be measuring our love to? Jesus. What should we be measuring every, every aspect of our life to what Jesus did? What did Jesus do? What would you, yeah, it's a cliche, but what would Jesus do? What is Jesus doing? What is Jesus' attitude? That's what I need to adopt. If Jesus was unselfish, I need to be unselfish. If Jesus loved, I need to love. If his love was unlimited, my love needs to be unlimited because I and you are the conduit of his love. Me and you are the only Bibles and the only Jesus many people are going to see. I was telling my wife that I said that this morning. Now she's out here. She was serving in the nursery. I told her this, this week, we were talking, I want to be Jesus for you. I want to be the example for you. I want to be the best, and, I, and, and she needs to be that for me. We need to be that for each other. The very best example, not of who a man should be, not of what a marriage should be, what Jesus should be in a marriage, what Jesus should be in a father, what Jesus should be in a son, what Jesus should be in a mother, in whatever you're trying to be. Stop trying to line yourself up with other people and line it up with Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you line it up with Jesus, you're going to be all right. Unselfish love. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 20, 28, even as the son of man came not to be ministered to but to minister, not to be served, but to serve. And listen, this is what he came for, to give his life as a ransom for many. When I think about my life, I can't talk about yours. I have given, now I could give more. I have given and dedicated my life to Jesus. I have been serving him for over 20 years for him in his service, doing what he called me to do. I have not done enough. I can always do more. But it's not a crazy thing for someone to say, I have given my life to Jesus. I, I, I want my life to matter. I want my life to touch other people. I want my life to see souls saved. That's not a crazy or radical thing. We've made it out to be that because we have a lot of Christians today who just want to get to heaven and just slide on in and they don't really care about anybody else. But if you really love Jesus, you have to become selfless. If you really love Jesus, you have to begin to put your desires aside and say, God, whatever you want, whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go, I'll go. Wherever you want me to do, I'll do. That selfless attitude is not radical it's just Jesus like because Jesus did not come just to pass time he came to give his life as a ransom for many Amen. Jesus seeks the best for us 2nd Corinthians 8 9 I'm moving through this quickly for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich yet for your sakes he became poor so that you through his poverty might become rich Try, try wrapping your hands around that. Maybe you know somebody rich. Beyond measure. Beyond words. Beyond understanding. We, we can talk about Bill Gates. We can talk about all these people who are the most richest, most famous, wealthiest people in the world. Can't even slice. Can't even scratch the surface of God's wealth. 
And God steps out of that. Leaves heaven and come down to earth and is born in a manger. That's unselfishness. John 10.10 says the thief comes not to steal, but to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come to give my life that they may have it more abundantly. He gave so we could have. You realize that's what we're called to do? We're called to give so others can have. That's selflessness. Always in the best ability we have, thinking about other people. He sacrificed. How many know Jesus held nothing back? When Jesus went to that cross and said the famous words, it is finished, it was finished. That means that there was nothing that he had left undone. There was nothing he had left that he had not come to accomplish. There was not one unselfish act that he had not done. And he said these words, greater love has no man than this. They would lay down his life for his friends. Remember, he calls us friends. Jesus came down from heaven. Talking about love. Talking about comprehending his love. See, these are the kind of messages that get us back balanced for Monday morning when we go through all week and we say, my God, but God, Jesus, you did so much for me, the least I can do is. You've done so much for me, Lord. I I, want to lay my life down. 1 John 3, 16 says, hereby we perceive the love of God. So you're talking about comprehension. Here's a way to do it. Hereby we perceive the love of God because he laid down his life for us. This isn't, I bet this isn't a very popular verse. Because he laid down his life for us, we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. That's not very popular sounding. I didn't get one, well, I got an amen, I think. I didn't get a whole lot. Just say amen, just for God's sake, amen. Help him out. Help his word out, amen. Amen means so be it. Right? So be it. It's either amen or woe is me. We perceive the love of God because he laid down his life for us. That's love. So if you lay down his... See, that we're, we as humans go, yeah, God, thank you for doing that. Appreciate that. But we don't have the attitude of, okay, because you did that, I want to do that. Because you did that, I should do that. Amen. How do we stand back and say... Way to go, Jesus. Nice. Good job. How do we do that? When we need to say, Jesus, I need to lay my life down. How is it possible that I could let you die for me and me not die for somebody else? It's not always a physical death. Die to yourself. To our selfish selves. Say it with me. I'm selfish. selfish. This is an AA meeting for selfishness. Amen. SA meeting. Selfishness Anonymous. Okay, we are all selfish. We all need to stand up and say, I am selfish. Right? It's like they would in a meeting. We are selfish people. We are selfish people. We think about ourselves. And our, our daily job is to die to ourselves. And remember, listen, I want you to listen to this right here. I'm closing. The love of God, this is what we should pray. The love of God wants the best for us. You believe that? That the love of God wants the best for us. The wisdom of God knows what's best for us. And the power of God accomplishes what's best for us. I'm going to say that again. The love of God wants the best for us. 
The wisdom of God knows what's best for us. That's staying in his will. And then by his power, not by might, not by power, but by his spirit, it accomplishes what only God can accomplish. Number four, last one. Very powerful point. I got into this this morning, kind of near the end. His love does not retaliate. Speak that to a known religion. Amen? His love does not retaliate. You know why we're such targets around the world? Because we're taught not to retaliate. We're taught to turn the other cheek. People would say, and I'm going to chase a rabbit for a second here. People would say today in this political world that we're in, they would say, man, Christians killed too. Man, go to the Crusades. Christians killed. Christians killed. Christians did this. Christians did that. People say that all day long. Christians killed in Jesus' name. That's true. But it's not in the Bible. Y'all listening? It's not in the Bible. But there's other religions that have it in their book to kill. That's the difference. People do things out of the will of God. God's will has never been for us to kill in his name. God's will has been for us to die in his name. To turn the other cheek in his name. The greatest cliche people have is I only got one cheek. So once he hits the one, I don't have to turn the other one. Amen. That's not the right attitude. We we need to die to ourselves. Love suffers long and is kind. Listen to this. 1 Peter 2.23. Who when he was reviled did not revile and return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. Let me give that to you in the NLT, the New Living Translation. He did not retaliate when he was insulted. When he suffered, he did not threaten to get even. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. How many believe that? That God judges fairly. Right will come out right. Always, 100% of the time. Maybe not even on this earth, but right will come out right. Returning good for good. I'm going to end with this. And musicians, you can come tonight. Returning good for good is commendable. Returning good for good. Someone does something good for me, I do something good for them. That's commendable and it's even natural. Okay, that's something that's, that's kind of, it should, it should happen, but watch this. But returning good for evil is Christ-like. And supernatural. Y'all catch that? When somebody gives me something, blesses me with something, whatever, does something good for me, it's easy for me to want to do something good for them. If somebody filled up my gas tank, I would, I would put that in my mind, and, and later on I would think, God, I got to find the opportunity that someday, somehow, I can fill up their gas tank. That would just be human nature. But if someone came and stole gas from my gas tank, it would not be human nature for me to want to fill their tank up. It would be human nature for me to want to go take their gas. Right? But God calls us to do something different. Christianity and following Jesus is radical. He's asking us to lay down our lives. And we can laugh about that and joke about that, but the bottom line is it's the truth. 
And I remind you always, guys and girls, ladies, y'all, we are working for something eternal. And we know and serve a God who loves us as a friend and who judges fairly. You know what that means? That means he sees your good deeds. He sees your hurts. He sees when you love when people aren't lovable. Do you think you're going to get a crown in heaven from Jesus for loving people that loved you? No. Anybody can do that. The worst sinner would do that. That's human nature. You do me good, I'll do you good. That's just what we do. But to do good to someone who's done you wrong, the Bible calls that heaping coals on the head of your enemy. Jesus says, as he's looking at those thieves, mocking him. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. I talk about it a lot because it really simplifies the gospel. And we know that in the gospels, at one point, both of those disciples or those soldiers were mocking him. Both of them. Everybody knows the story that one of them got saved and one of them turned to Jesus and one of them said, Jesus, if you'll remember me today, and he says yes. But what people don't know is in another account of the gospel, not, not, a, not a contradiction, before it got to that point, they were both mocking him. They were both insulting him. He was insulted all the way to the cross. Beard torn out, spit on, laughed at. If you're the king of the Jews, prophesy who's hitting you. If you, if you really need a revelation again of his love, go watch the Passion of the Christ again. If you need to watch that every day, go watch it. I can't. Once was enough for me. I can't watch that again. I cannot watch that movie again. I don't need to. And if I ever do, I'll go watch it. The things he suffered, not retaliating, being God, being the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords looks over at those thieves and says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. My God. It's hard for us to comprehend that love. Can you imagine if you were seeing your father, your mother, your son, your daughter, your brother, your sister being murdered and killed and you were supposed to stand there and watch it? And tell God, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Well, God was in heaven watching his son be beaten and killed and mocked and stood there. And the Bible even says, at one point, he had to turn his head because he couldn't watch it anymore. And that was the moment on the cross. I know this isn't the Easter message. That was the moment Jesus said, Father, why have you forsaken me? Because God had to look down on Jesus and all the sin of you and I that was on his son and he couldn't bear it anymore. And not only could he not bear the sin, something inside of God had to be saying, I want to kill all these people right now. And if you don't think that God ever thought that, read your Bible. Many times. Matter of fact, right after, right after the flood, he said, I wish I wouldn't have made people. And at that moment, part of it was he was looking at sin, but the other part was, I want to kill these people right now because they're messing with my son. But he turned his head instead. Jesus looked over at that thief, probably with so much love, 
that that thief had to change. And he saw the love of Jesus. How many know some people around us this week are going to need to see the love of Jesus in us? You can say all you want all day long till you turn purple. I love Jesus. But if you don't show it, it doesn't mean anything. Amen? I don't say that in a condemning way. It's, it's clanging symbols, 1 Corinthians 13 says. People need to see in our eyes, that person loves me. And it's a love that you and I can't give on our own. We don't have the capacity to give that. But when we fill up with Jesus and we remember what Jesus did for us and we take these moments to go to the cross and remember what he did on that cross, his love should be filling us up. And that thief said, Father, Jesus, would you remember me today? Oh, yeah. You know what Jesus was saying? I was just waiting for you to ask. I need, you're here, I need more love. Jesus is saying, I've just, I've just been waiting for you to ask because I got plenty of it. I got an unlimited supply. My love will never run out. I read this this morning, but I want to read it again tonight for whoever needs to hear it. Romans 8, 29, I'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord.